This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, hello. Ooh, and... the message. Oh. Hello. Profes- professional. Third um, time. <laughs> Third time's a charm, isn't it? Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> ah, it's five minutes, you say, this intro, is it? <laughs> That's about 20-something. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, um, I thought it, it started to sound like the intro of um, one of them public image records where they just go, Hello. 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 For about four minutes at the start of the song. We can get the instrumental for that. We could have Albert being John Lydon. <laughs> I'd rather not. I think um, you'd be better at John Lydon. You any, are you got any particular affiliation with any brand of butter, Nick, that you like to push? <laughs> Anchor. Oh, now he's been up. Oh, oh, oh that was harsh. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No way. I cannot believe it. The guy is a wanker. <laughs> she's, she's got the truth, but don't spread it. No one. Oh, oh, anyway, yeah. come on. This, that's, that is a minute. Um, listen, you, you're hearing. You're, I'm so sorry you're hearing this, um, but it's because you've downloaded <laughs> the latest edition of the Homesdale Radio podcast, probably on Acast or iTunes or from ourradio.net. Um, thanks for thanks for downloading. Um, it's it's an interesting show. There's there's some heated debate. There's not. Uh, there's some contrasting opinions on Alan Pardew and the uh, the game against Burnley. Um, Bournemouth, 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 Bournemouth. Yeah, well, with the Burnley one, that's going to be a cracker as well. Uh, we might play some decent football in the first half. Um, as we uh, just before we went on air, the uh, the England the England Sam Allardyce's England squad, his first one was announced, and we're all. I mean, I'm a gog because there's no Palace players in it. Um, we did, don't, I don't, ex, you know, don't expect many to be in there. But as always, we thought Scott Dan might be in with a shout, especially considering the peach of a header he scored yesterday. Um, you look at the defenders that are in there: it's Gary Cahill, Nathaniel Klein, Phil Jagielka somehow still there. Danny Rose, Luke Shaw, Chris Smalling has even played this season. John Stones costs a lot of money, but you know, and Carl Walker. Who who should Scott Dan be in for there? I know my obvious one, Terence. Who do you think? Well, Phil Jagielka, obviously, he's five years younger. Jagielka's at the back end of his career, has completely run out of pace. Um, playing for the last couple of years in an Everton defence that cannot keep a clean sheet. Um, 
it's amazed me that he's been in there for the last two years anyway. Um, Scott Dan, you know, getting another goal, he has that threat about him. But what I think has slightly undone him was, um, was I think Allardyce was at the Spurs game, wasn't he? And um, Scott Dan was a little bit tentative there at times in his defending. But over the course of the last year, I think he definitely should be getting into that England squad because it's, we're so weak defensively at international level. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just so annoyed that it's basically much of the same from Sam Allardyce. There's nothing nothing there to be excited about he's just picked the same old people Nick apart from Antonio West Ham yeah well every manager does that oh I'm going to bring in one debut and say look how the changes I've made it's boring now as England managers yeah well you think they should have a good old sweep out and and start afresh well well, Theo Walcott what's he done Jordan Henderson is a laughing stock and everybody can see it but because they play for Liverpool and Arsenal, they continue to get picked. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'd have, I'd have uh, put Dan in for Cahill, and I'll tell you for why. Now that Cahill has got Conte playing in front of him at uh, Chelsea, language he don't, he don't have, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have to do much work now. So he'll be a lazy sod. So we need Dan in there because he's going to be 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 fitter and better because he'll be tested more throughout the season. Lucy, you want Damien Delaney in the England squad, don't you? <laughs> um, well, no. Um, they don't even want him in the Ireland squad anymore, so that says a lot. But, um, yeah, Scott Down should be in there 100%. And I don't know why he just keeps getting overlooked for such, like, dross. The, the people, like, Jaggy Elka's awful now. And I just, like Terrid said... Dan's younger, he's proven that he can score goals and, you know, his statistics um, are far superior. And I just think that, you know, he's, it's very unfair of him. And, like, it begs the question, is it because he's in a Palace shirt? Is it because he's not in one of the big clubs? I don't know, but it's definitely very unfair and I think he should be in there 100%. I've got to say, it's, it's a shame Damien Delaney's not going to get any more caps because he could do with one just to cover up that little ball patch on the <laughs> back of his head, didn't he? Um, he shaved his head down. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. Anyway, listen, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap the intro up, let you hear the uh, the main body of the show. You'll probably hear me uh, struggling to deal with the fact there's like eight different things that I've had to learn today. Some of them click a button, you can make some noises. It's, it's awesome. Um, but join us after the main body of the show where... My God, we're doing another quiz. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football. At FanDuel, you select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? Terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly
Good evening, everybody. My name's Albert, and welcome to this Sunday's edition of Homesdale Radio. We've got a decent striker. We scored a goal. We got our first point of the season. And that buys a bit more time for our esteemed manager, Alan Pardew. No way. I with me tonight is Nicholas Gillard. Hello, how you doing? Good mate, how are you? Excellent. Lucy White. Hey. Hey, indeed. And Terence is on this show so bloody much that he's not even bothered to look at redandbluearmy.co.uk forward. I'm happy to be involved again. Hey, very good. Um, yeah, so you're with us tonight. We're going to be looking at the, uh, our first, as, as I previously said, our first point of the season, which we picked up against Bournemouth in, uh, I think, the it's the definition of a game of two halves in a one-all draw. Um, you can reach the show tonight if you want to get in touch with us. You can do, do so with all the usual means. We're on Twitter at Whole Radio. You can get in touch with us via our website at wholeradio.net. Um, and that's it. Play the jingle. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Right, so I want to skip forward a little bit. I want to just put a question out there, and we'll hopefully gather some opinion, and we'll come back to it in the show when we're sort of rounding up the end of the game. Now, what I want to know is, a lot of people were saying, you know, game of two halves, we were much better in the second half, we were excellent in the second half, we deserved to win. What I want to know is, I felt slightly different about it, and I, uh, I took... Chris Hambling, who's not with us this week, to task. I didn't. I thought we were good the second half, but I thought that we were only good because Bournemouth had pretty much no intention of doing any sort of attacking football in uh, the second half. So what I want to know is, were we good in the second half or were Bournemouth that bad? Uh, so get in touch, get us on Twitter, and uh, we'll look at that later on. Um, how is everybody? Everybody okay? Terence, you good? Yeah. Um, I'm good, yes. I'm, you know, sixth or seventh or eighth show in a row now <laughs> it's unbelievable you missed the consistent i think when we start calling you um yes. but you're drowning your sorrows with some gin is that right um maybe um please only drink alcohol if you're over the age of 18 <laughs> unless you saw the first half yesterday in which age goes out the window i think right start early <laughs> start early <laughs> okay uh so Let's go from the top, as always. We're going to look at the starting eleven. Who wants to tell me the starting eleven? Terence, you got it in front of you there? Um, I can remember it. It was Steve Mondonda in goal. Uh, Joel Ward and Pat Soiree at left and right back. Damien Delaney and Scott Dan in a centre defence. We had James McArthur and Johan Kabaya in centre mid. Uh, Punchin wide uh, right. Townsend wide left. And Connor Wickham and Christian Benteke up front. Okay, so was anybody else concerned when we lined up in a four four two? Nick, I was happy to see us give it a go, but bearing in mind the last time we played four four two, we lost against um, Bournemouth, which was had a boy by or and Wickham up front, if I believe correctly. Um, but it was just—I don't know whether Bournemouth were good and swarming all over us, or whether we were just so inept we made them look good. It's hard. They just, we, we just didn't look like a team all first half. There were players that looked stroppy. It was, there, there was something amiss, definitely. Terence, what do you think might have been amiss? Um, well, the 4-4-2 formation was 
swarmed all over in the centre of the park. Um, I thought we managed to make Harry Arter look like Xavi somehow. Um, he'd absolutely run the show in the first half and um, it wasn't until 20-25 minutes in when Pardew shunted Connor Wickham out wide left. Um, I, <laughs> joked, I had joked about pre-match saying it'll be funny when Connor Wickham's playing on the left wing. Um, and that change slowly saw us get back into the game and I don't think... Um, Weirdly enough, I think uh, Pardew probably outfought Howe a bit tactically more than saying that Bournemouth took their foot off the gas. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I, I, it didn't. It didn't take very long for us to. Uh, I don't know. It was, it, like Nick says, something was amiss. I mean, it was. To be honest, it was my. It was my first game yesterday. I hadn't really caught much of us in previous games and. Did it? To, I mean, to, you guys obviously were West Brom, but to me, it just felt like we picked up exactly where we left off um, at the end of last season. The only difference being we had Andros Townsend, who you know was trying to make stuff happen, and the only other exception was you know the long balls that were coming up from Delaney were actually being brought down quite nicely by that Christian Benteke chap. Lucy, what did you make of it? Well, Albert, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately, but having looked at the highlights and um, basically general chit-chat post-game, um, I've, I've thought that he was impressive. I certainly agree with that. Um, Nick, did, did Benteke start well for you? Terence, did he start well for you? <laughs> I, I thought he was superb. I mean, in the first half, I think he really stood out as... <laughs> probably along with Jason Puncher the only player actually trying on the pitch actually Steve Mondonda as well we can't forget Steve he had a really good first half but yeah Ben Teke's physical presence up front is exactly what we've been crying out for um, he showed that he could play whether the ball was into his feet whether it's at midriff level chest level head height or 70 yards over his head like Damien Delaney usually does it he was um, he managed to get the ball down and Get, um, bring Amifield into the game, which is just a godsend, really. Yeah, I agree with that. Is there any opinion in the chat room on that? Yeah, there was. Um, uh, just to let you know about Benteke, he was like another level, wasn't he? Compared to it was like a, a, a super Murray uh, uh, bringing the ball down and just just holding things up and and letting things build up around him before he released the ball. It, it was just such good thing to see that in a red and blue shirt. It really, really was, and. Uh, that that made my day more than the the late minute equaliser really, but um, in the chat room, which is wholeradio.net forward slash chat, um, we've got Coach Matt who said that Bournemouth used all their energy in the first half with their high tempo game, but um, we up to gear in the second half when Wilf and Lee came on, and that helped the team spirits and our tempo increased because of that. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll get on to the subject of Wilf later on, Lucy. Yeah, I had um, some feedback from my dad regarding Ben Teke. Um, he is, my dad is Mr. Pessimism personified. And he actually came back and said that him and his lifelong Palace buddy were really impressed with him, can see that he's got all the desire in the world and that he just needs a little bit of time to get used to things and that we've got to get used to him and that he thinks that he's going to be really, really good for us. So for my dad to say that, it was <laughs> pretty shocking. 
fair enough. There's, I think just there was a couple of couple of moments when you know Benteke was either bringing the ball down from a long punt or he was he received it into feet on the edge of the area and was you know holding it up and trying to turn and get a shot away or or look for a better pass. There was a lot of uh, just looking around the crowd. There seemed to be a lot of people looking at each other like we you know couldn't believe our eyes sort of thing. You know he. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was an, an amazing display, but that's not. You know, that's not for lack of trying. And you know, he's, he's not been in the club five minutes. Um, but yeah, I think he was. He was certainly the, the shining light in our team thus far. Um, I want to talk. A, it's sorry. It's almost as if the same feeling we got when uh, Lombardo first played for us is it that much better than what we've got. It's odd, really. Because I think. It's sort of this time, this time last season, you know, I, I saw a very similar reaction to Yohan Kabai. You know. He just seemed to be a class above, very composed, could find a pass that no one else could, and just seemed to run the show. And um, you know, let's talk. Let's talk about Johan Kabai's first half because um, it couldn't have been uh, a starker contrast. Terence, you're chuckling. Yeah, he was. Um, I thought he was terrible. Um, he has a tendency to sulk, um, and that's exactly what he did after he missed the penalty. The ball that he snatched out of Benteke and Wickham's hands. Um, you know. You, uh, for me, I want my strikers taking penalties because it gets goals in the end of the column for them and it gives them confidence and so on. Um, he'd missed his last penalty at Newcastle. Some of his penalties before that that had found the back of the net were a bit suspect. And straight after missing the penalty, went and hacked a player down and it seemed like he wanted to get himself sent off for the next five or ten minutes. Um, yeah. For me, he might as well have, he might as well not been on the pitch after that after that point because he's on a yellow. His passing isn't up to much at the moment, and you know he 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 likes to get stuck in. So to get to get booked, you know, twenty five minutes in, and clearly, you know, I hate to use the term "head's gone." For me, he was he, he might as well have been off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Nick, did you feel the same? You can yeah, pass some slack. It was it was a shocking performance, really. But everybody's got to have their off days, and uh, uh, hopefully, it'll turn it around a bit. But he he just doesn't seem to have hit form like we know he can. Um, but like I said, the whole team was disjointed in the first half anyway, so I don't think anybody came out of it in any shining light, really, apart from perhaps Benteke with his control. But everybody else was, we just weren't a team, and it's a team game. If they can't play play with each other, ooh, uh, that's what she said, um, then what chance have we got? What 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 do we do about Kabai? Because, you know, we've seen, we you know, we've seen... Uh, you know, Will Zaha has, has definitely been a victim of this. A player that's either not in form or is showing, you know, a poor attitude. Pardew doesn't seem to seem afraid to to bench him. Um, you know, to maybe, for want of a better term, treat them, uh, teach them a lesson. Now, I know Kabai hasn't played, has been on the bench the last couple of games, but that seems to be down to he's not fit. He's been at the Euros, whatever, whatever. But do you think do you think Pardew could do something similar with Kabai? Do you think a, a spell out, you know, an enforced break on the bench would do him any good, or is that only going to send him into a deeper? I'm going to use the word funk. Anyone? <laughs> yeah, he seems to switch around a bit, didn't he? Because because um, the way uh, Punction uh, played in different positions second half and Kabai. Just seemed to play alongside Punction a lot deeper once Wickham had moved out out left, and seemed to seem they seemed to have a better understanding of what to do t- together, which was um, unusual because we'd always said in the past that Kabai and Punction would never be in the same team, and you're right first half, but I don't know, I don't know. Terence, do you think Kabai could do a spell on the bench, or is that only going to make it worse? Um, Kabai is never going to get a spell on the bench. Um, 
he's he's Pardew's boy, isn't he? Um, he's going to be the first name on the team sheet for him, I think. Um, I don't. He's class. I want I want to give him a couple of weeks, a couple more games, because um, obviously you know the uh, very arduous task of going home for the summer to France and um, sitting on the bench for a month was apparently. No, a bit too much for him to not start the first few games of the season. So um, I think uh, give him a few more weeks, let him get some match fitness inside him, and hopefully he'll be back sort of to the level that he was at the beginning of last season, not so much at the end of last season. Fair enough. Um, do we think uh, we're going to sort of we're going to talk about hopefully Loic Remy in uh, in a little while? We've got, you know, we've got Conor Wickham. We've got, we spent a lot of money on Christian Benteke. I don't think Remy, uh, Remy's going to come, and even even on loan, it's still going to cost us a bit of money. Do you worry that this persevering with this four four two seems to be the plan? Is anybody worried about that? You know, for me, whilst we're there, I, I personally think, you know, the the system we've been playing. Hopefully, if we keep hold of him, you know, Zaha and Townsend, who's hopefully an upgrade on on Yannick, with just a an out and out fantastic world class striker in Benteke. Isn't that the system we should be looking to play, Nick? Yeah, and I could see it being more of a 4-4-1-1 with one player behind the other, sort of hanging back a little bit, sort of ready to, to meet the crosses. So it'll be one of the players going in to a certain position where the where Zahara Town's in, no, no to cross. And uh, the crossing was a miss, particularly in the first half yesterday. Um, and we, we've been talking about getting the crosses in and then Teki will score with them. But I think you showed it on match of the day. You sh- you saw him pointing upwards when uh, a cross just went in way too low, and he was standing all on his own at the far post. Um, one, can I take one, of Townsend's, one of Townsend's crosses was so amiss that it nearly went in the goal. <laughs> yeah, they, you, you see a few of them a season, don't you? And they they deny it was a cross oh, at all, so, don't they? Anyway, anything <laughs> in the chat? Anything in the chat, Nick? Yeah, can I just take us back to goodbye? He needs to stop taking corners and penalties. His corners don't pass the first post. Um, and his uh, call eagle again was very angry that um, Benteke didn't take the penalty. Um, but Briscoe was retorted and said he scored 14 out of the 16. Um, the two's miss was for us. Um, and there was a bit of a discussion about whether you know Benteke should have taken the penalty on his debut, but goodbye didn't want him to have it. It, it was a decent save, you know. And he has saved these last three in a row. He saved in the Premier League now, Boris. Yeah, so I think we're being a bit harsh. We're looking for uh, escaped goats a little bit in the first half, weren't we? I mean, you could tell by the boos when when um, we came off half time, which is unusual. I haven't heard boos at half time for a long time. It's true. No I was. Way. I was. Uh, beat me to it. Um, I was talking about this with my dad. I thought um, Christian Benteke should have been should have, should have definitely won that penalty for the obvious reason. A to striker, and B. I also think that you know, bearing in mind it was only what twenty minutes into the game, so twenty minutes into his proper debut, if he'd have missed, I think he'd have probably been cut a lot more cut a lot more slack from the crowd, and it wouldn't necessarily have whipped up the crowd into a bit of a what's the word, sort of a negative frenzy. But Kabai, who who's a bit of a hot topic as to you know, is he in form? Should he be in the team? You, you, you put him forward and he has missed the last couple. You know, he misses another one. Doesn't that just instantly get the crowds back up and, you, you know, com- combined with the, the fact that we made it look like Bournemouth had about 15 players on the pitch? 
I just think it was, I think it was a bit of a, I'm going to use the word tactical naivety on Pardews, for which I don't think it's something you'd ever admit. Um, Lucy, who would you have given the ball to for the pen? Uh, ben Teke, without a doubt. He's... So we we all think Ben Teke. Why doesn't Alan Pardew? It's like Alan Pardew thinks he's better than us or something. Is that? Maybe well, it's not necessarily um, Pardew that thinks Kabai is better. Maybe it's Kabai that thinks he's better than everyone. Um, true. That, that's that's the one thing that I'm slightly concerned about with the team. That maybe Kabai does think he's a bit better than everybody else and the players don't like that, which is why there might be a riff between the players. I don't know. But I certainly would have had Ben Teko over Kabai at that point because he's a striker. So Fair enough. Um, did anybody think, even with the tactical change, Connor Wickham looked a bit lost at sea for 95% of his time on the pitch? Terence, you're, you're a Connor Wickham fan here. Um, typical, he's been left hung out to dry. Um, he's, he's already proved really in a um, the four one four four one one four four two formation. We tried to play with him and Andy Bayor up top, didn't really work. Um, same situation in this game. Uh, there's definitely after the second half when he came on against Blackpool and there was a bit more of a spring in his step. Um, I thought that he might be, you know, that we might see an extra 10% effort in his game because that definitely lacks at points. Uh, but as soon as the crowd started to get on his back a little bit, and they did, so the Nick talking about uh, scapegoats, it was um, Conor Wickham was the main one, really. And as soon as the crowd got his back, instead of him trying to rise to it, he just kind of hid away a bit. And then when he was pushed out wide left, um, he seemed more intent in just like whenever he had the ball, he'd give it away very quickly. Um, and it just sort of focused on making it look like he was tracking back to actually put in some effort when really it was all just, it was completely on the periphery of the game. Um, from first views, I'm, I'm not sure how Ben Teke and Wickham are going to work in the um, same forward line, but we'll have to um, see how they adjust to that if indeed we don't bring in any other strikers. The Murray Pardew's got it. Nick? <laughs> but, but it, it's just kind of occurred to me, we're talking about goodbye. Do you think he's got the ump because he's not the, new, the superstar anymore? And, like, we've got this new super Ben Teke. And Wickham, similarly, is is playing this. Is, is not the top dog striker anymore. So he has to play second fiddle. Does that affect him psychologically? Or, you know, does it mean he couldn't up his game at all? I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud there. Um, but you were, you were talking about Wickham being the escape goat. Where I was sitting, it was Delaney who was the escape goat. Um, so I think it depends where you were in the ground because it seems like people were on a lot of players back depending on where you were sitting. Well, where I was sitting, there was on Pardew's back. There was um, about 40 or 50 people or so at the back of, back of Block A in like, a homestyle singing, we want Pardew out. Um, they did it at the end of the first half and just before the end of the game, just before Scott Dan scored. And um, on both occasions, they got the... the HF just started singing louder and the people more towards the black back of Block B. And the front of Blocks A and B started um, shouting them down and telling them to shut them up. But um, Shut your dirty mouths, they said. But I think um, after the first half, um, if you're already leaning that way, I can see why it's come, but I've never been a proponent of saying, like voicing your opinions during a game. I don't think it's the right place to do it. 
No, I agree on that, and we've we've already had the talk of the halftime booing. I mean, yeah, I I, I think it's nobody can deny that probably you know you want to boo or you want to you know express your disappointment because it was quite frankly an abomination that first half. But I mean, we we've done this to death on this show. It's yeah, it's whether you know is that going to help the team or is it only going to make it worse? I mean, going back to Delaney, he uh, he really didn't look right in the head for most of that game, and similar to what I said to Kabai, you know, Delaney got. He was. Comp- I mean, Wilson had him, had him over a barrel. You know, if Delaney got tight, Wilson turned him. If he stood off, they just put- ping the ball past him, and uh, you know he, he he launches in again towards the end of the first half. He gets booked, and which you could argue that was maybe uh, overdue. And again, it's um, he might as well not be on the pitch because he's just you know you've got you know you've got a whole another forty five minutes of. Of the same thing, he's he's, sh- he's shown a reaction. He's shown that he's sort of struggling, and you know, a player like Wilson's only going to feed off that. Um, I want to talk about our penalty. It seems to be a hot topic with Mike Dean. These sort of soft penalties under these under these new directives. Um, I uh, seeing it uh, seeing it live. I, I didn't know what I didn't know what had happened. I, didn't, I couldn't even tell you who who had been impeded. Uh, so I thought it, was, it seemed quite uh, just from a neutral that we'd missed. But looking back on match of the day, and again that they're all confused, so you know they're the professionals, so we don't stand a chance. Um, is that a penalty, Lucy? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. I, I watched it. I've watched it back a few times on the highlights, and yeah, for me it was. Nick, is that a penalty for you? For Mike Dean, it was. And he gave two similar last week. Now, I applaud him. It's just, if we're going to have that rule, let's stick by it. But we need consistency <clears> all reps. And that, that's where the problem lies at the moment, is it's not not, not across the board, is it? I still think we should have my idea of we have one referee and each game is played at a different time and the ref is just helicoptered from game to game and then there'll be no sort of bias, will there? Terence, penalty for you? Um, It's... it's- by the letter of the law, not just the new law, the old law as well. It's a, it's a definite penalty. Now, the reason why it looks so soft for me is because Ben Teke is such a beast. So Daniels is all over him, pulling his shirt all over the place. 99% of all other strikers will hit the deck at that point. It will show the shirt being pulled even more and the ref will give a penalty because Daniels basically couldn't budge Ben Teke from where he was standing. Um, it looks soft, but... I think it's clear to see that Daniel was trying to swap shirts with him from the second he grabs hold of him. And it's what might then you just see his face. He just says to the guy, what, what are you doing? And what are you doing? Like you've given me no choice. So for me, it's a definite penalty. It's the shirt. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, seeing it back on match of the day and various, it's, it's the shirt pull that, that sort of seals the deal for me. And it? it's, it's not um, the ones, the ones he gave last week, it was sort of a bit more, bit more gray. There was, there was contact and the sort of contact you see a lot, but it's the shirt, Paul. That yeah, I think, like you say, fair play. He's he's seen that and he's given it. The, again, the only thing, and again, I'm I can't complain too much because we'd be on the wrong end of it. Seeing some of the seeing some of the contact that Damien Delaney was having with a lot of their players during corners or free kicks, I think we'd have been five penalties down if Mike Dean had been paying a bit more attention. Um, but yeah, I'd, listen, we need we want to we want to hear your opinions on Twitter. So get in touch with the show whether we think that was a penalty or not, or if you've got any other opinions on the first half. Um, I think we can all agree that uh, the second half was was much better. But well, let's talk about the new signings or the recent additions. 
who who do we think stood out? Obviously, Ben Teke seems to be the uh, the front runner in that competition. But how did we feel about Steve Mondonda? It was the first time I'd seen him, and uh, I've got to say, I was very impressed. Nick, yeah, very very impressed. Um, he got a fingertip to the goal, didn't he? I didn't realise that till I saw the, the replays on the telly box last night. But he just uses his confidence and his distribution one time, whereas we had a. A Spironi-esque kick out to the left of the pitch where it goes off for an opposition throw or sort of Hennessy's not that brilliant distribution. Mondonda could just get it to people and what I liked was instead of rolling it to the defenders to the right back's feet or, or whatever it was in front so the player's got to go forward doesn't stop with the ball and it just just little things like that that, that get moves going do you see what I mean it's um, very good and he came up for a couple of crosses excellent Terence, you're, you're our resident goalkeeping expert. You seem to be our resident expert on a lot of things. I'm wondering. It's a good thing you're on the show, like 18 times a week. Uh, what, what, what does Mondonda offer that Wayne Hennessy doesn't? I'm trying not to laugh. Um, sum it up for us. Uh, right. He stands five yards further out from his goal than Hennessy for starters, which means um, he has much more opportunity of either sweeping the ball up in behind or claiming crosses or just being more aggressive in the penalty area than Wayne Hennessy is um, just under 80% pass accuracy yesterday and to put that into context when Speroni plays he's somewhere around 30% and when Hennessy plays he's somewhere around 45% so and the fact that he's doing it with both feet as well like it's, it's only because he takes his goal kicks with his right foot that I could tell that he was right footed because when it was on his left foot he was equally comfortable. Um, Nick was right. I think he did amazingly well to get a fingertip to that goal because it was the perfect finish from Josh King. That is absolutely perfect finishing in my mind. Um, and the save at 1-0 um, from Callum Wilson is key. Keeps us in the game. And for even better is that I now have one of Steve Mundunder's gloves from the game yesterday, which was um, a bit of a touch. Some guy, some the guy who got them at the end of the game... Um, was in the pub with us after drinking and um, we went over and made him an offer for the gloves and he, he accepted. So now me and my friend Nick have one each. So nice bit of memorabilia there for myself. Are you willing to reveal what that offer was? <laughs> uh, it yes. was cash, right? It was definitely cash. Yeah, we paid him £60 in cash for the pair, which is, <laughs> that's not bad at all. They're worth more than that in the shop. <laughs> when uh, If he's listening, he's gutted. He is gutted. <laughs> when I was... Um, when I was little, me and my big sister had to share a pair of roller skates between us. <laughs> I had to be the left one because she was right-footed. I just thought I'd include that. So sort of having one of something, one of a pair of stories. Would you have sold them for 60 quid? <laughs> no, they were the horrible all sizes with wing nuts. People of a certain age will know the ones on You could break your ankle just trying to put the bloody things on. Well, l- lucky you only had one each then because you only break yeah. one ankle. Yeah. Lu- Lucy. Hi. Hi. Oh, right, yeah, I've got a few people. I thought you were ask me a question, Albert. No. I've got a few people on Twitter. Um, I asked what they thought of Steve, and a um, few people have said that um, they like him. Um, Scott1234 has said, first team keeper, question mark. Um, at Palace Kev 66 said, no longer have to worry about the keeper. Uh, at Johnny Esther, I don't think it's the real one, but he says, he fantastic, will look even better once there is a ball playing centre-back in front of him. 
Daniel Stone, 13, has said, average, bring back Hennessy. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> that is a joke. Yes. If I, uh, if yes. I, if I know him, that is a joke. <laughs> yes, Daniel does like to be a joker. <laughs> and Lucy, what's the hashtag those, those lovely people have used to get into contact with the show? The hashtag is H-O-L live. Very good. Uh, Andros Townsend. <laughs> All that time I thought it was HOL Live. Never mind. Sorry, can I give you some chat stuff in the chat, Matthew? Albert, yeah. before um, we yeah, lose the, uh, scroll up. Lots of good stuff about uh, Mandonda. King B says Steve has to be our number one keeper. You don't pay an undisclosed fee for a 31 year old for nothing. And yeah, everybody's saying they can't see how um, Hennessy's going to get his place back just based on that performance. Filled with lots of uh, confidence. Superb distribution and coming out to collect the ball and catching it if he could. Palace forever in there. That's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Excellent. Well, I think, um, do we do we want to talk about the goal that we conceded? It, was, uh, it wasn't pleasant to watch to see quite a simple ball over the top catch all of, all of our team out. Um, one, one in particular. Pat Suare. No names. Pat Pat Suare. <laughs> Yeah. He run, head down like a headless chicken, sprints to the edge of the box and goes, oh, oh, that's the guy I'm supposed to be marking. Maybe I should get back in the box. And then by then it's in the bottom corner. Absolutely just head lost, stupid defending. Was that was that his only downside in the whole game? Or do you think he had a, do you think he had a poor game overall? Um, I've got no problems with Pat going forward. I have a lot of problems with him defensively and positionally when anything's to do with an attacker coming at him. And that's just one example of many of him getting caught out. Usually his pace can help him out and he'll get back. Um, But on that occasion, Josh King just brushed him aside when he managed to use his pace to get back and pulled off the great finish. So, um, I don't know. For me... As well as a central midfielder, I think we should be looking for a fullback or two. But I won't start laying into Joel Wall tonight. We ain't got enough time. Uh, come on then, let's, let's talking of trying to get more more people in. It's we, we're approaching the end of the window. I've I've, I've not been. Uh, I've only heard it from you guys. Really, someone talked to me about the. Um, is it, does it look like we're getting Lowick Remy or any other rumours surfacing? Who, what do we need? Terence wants fullbacks. Nick, what do you want? Um, well, I'm seeing Lucas being uh, peddled in the uh, chat room. That doesn't sound right, does it? Um, his name's been mentioned a couple of times. Um, and uh, McCarthy, somebody somebody McCarthy as well, who's being mentioned. And they seem Abby. pretty certain. No. Um, it's, Luca, it's James McCarthy from um, uh, Everton. I thought we were going to do like a Man United with Pogba. Like, we've let him go and then we're going to... Sign Paddy McCarthy back for an exorbitant fee. Wait, <laughs> wait, sorry before we go to Lucy. Did what? you say Lucas is being mentioned in the chat room? Lucas Lima. Lucas Lucas Lever. <laughs> the Liverpool Lucas. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Interesting. Lucy, you got any uh, left field suggestions? Not literally. I don't mean I'm not specifically talking about the left side of the field. <laughs> um, I think we need. I think we need something in midfield. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Build and a replacement for Joe Ward. <laughs> Interesting. Who who are you looking to ship out of the midfield? Um, possibly Ledley. Oh, I see. You want you want a backup. You want you want you want depth. Yeah. Yeah, I right. think it's needed. Um, but who am I to to say what we need? Only. One person really knows that, don't they? So, okay, so and, and just just for confirmation, sorry, it's not Lucas of Liverpool. It's Lucas of the club Lima from Brazil. We've bid twelve point seven million, according to reports, but they want a further five million. Sweet, give it to them. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about. I mentioned it at the start of the show. I want to know because I, I had this conversation with a few people yesterday. First half versus second half. Were we much better in the second half because of uh, a tactical switch and a, uh, you know um, an improvement in performance, or was it the fact that Bournemouth didn't seem interested in kicking the football that made us look good, or was it a bit of both, Nick? I think Pardy gave them a rocket up the bottom at half time. I think the crowd gave them a rocket up the um, the Jack Z at half time. Hopefully it woke them up a bit because they were they were two individual indiv- playing as individuals in the first half and they just had more about them as the second half. They suddenly remembered that they were a team and only by playing as a team were we going to have any chance of scoring. It made a a big difference uh, when Lee came on, I thought, and and replaced Wickham um, because he was everywhere and he was actually a bet foil for Benteke. Um, why Lee isn't starting, I don't know. It's been my man of the match for the last few games. Fair enough. Terence, were we that good or were Bournemouth that bad? Um, I thought moving Jason Pudgeon back uh, in the midfield from, uh, like he started out wide, then he moved in behind Benteke, then when he dropped back next to Gabaya, I thought he was absolutely amazing and Bournemouth didn't really have an answer for him anymore and he pulled the strings. Uh, I think... um, James McArthur at the start of the second half just put in lots of legwork and knocking himself out, which is probably part of the reason why he had to come off. Just chasing down lost causes, trying to get off of Benteke's flick-ons. And um, I think that made a massive difference. So those two things of stretching the midfield from punch and picking it up deeper and McArthur actually testing them further up the pitch, I think that gave Bournemouth a lot more to think about. And... Um, how tried to adjust by um, replacing his strike, one of his strikers and putting another man into the midfield. Uh, but by bringing on Zaha and Lee, I think we again, then we started to stretch, stretch them out wide more. And Lee, uh, I think between Lee, Townsend, Punchin and Benteke, they was all linking up very, very well. And I don't think it was Bournemouth playing particularly bad. I just think we enforced our style of play on them more 
and that's quite refreshing because that's the sort of play that Pardew is obviously gearing towards. So with a bit of luck, those are some green shoots for us to be excited about. With a little bit of luck. <laughs> um, Lucy, any any um, any views on Twitter? Am I being harsh? Because I just thought Bobman for a Paul in and that made us look good. Um, well, uh, Ryan Delahunty, great name, name. Um, said Bournemouth stop pressing the midfield. Uh, tweeting Nav said the bloody formation went back to what it what it should be, and Chris Palace FC sort of backing up what you said, Terence. Uh, Punch went holding mid, and MacArthur behind forwards allowed more energy in middle, and for Punch to be on the ball. Yeah, so, so I, I don't think Bournemouth intentionally stopped pressing. I just think we made it more difficult for them to press. And that is the reason why we started to make them look bad. Fair play. I think I think, I think Jordan Ibe went off before we made the changes with Zaha and Lee. And I think he was he was like playing almost as a, a third winger, third striker for him in the first half. So I was sort of surprised to see him go. But um, let's talk about the, that change we made. Terence alluded to it earlier. Lee Chung Yung and Zaha came on. Um, you know, a lot of people sort of have been a bit, maybe a bit derisory about the fact that Chung Yung Lee's, you know, had quite a, f- a few minutes first half of the season when, you know, his Palace career could easily have been described as over, bear in mind what happened towards the end of last season. Um, who had the better game, Lee or Zaha? Nick? That's a very, very hard question. I don't know. They both, they both were pretty good. And considering Will, with all the the rumours that have been going around in a week, they were both they were both as important for our comeback, I think, as each other. They they just both gave options, um, were so such a refresh refresh refreshing from Kabai just wondering about. They they just wanted it. They wanted the ball, and they knew what to do with it. They were running at players, and that's what we missed in the first half. We didn't have anybody running at anybody. And they brought that to the table. And the Bournemouth defenders were scared. Terence, can you separate the two? Can you pick a winner? Um, I'm much with Nick. I think they complemented each other pretty well when they came on and were both important to the comeback. Uh, On the grounds that Chung and Lee should have had two goals and and ended the game with none, I'll say Zaha just shaded it. Fair enough. Um, Let's... Let's talk about Zaha because we might, we might not be able to for much longer. Um, was it was it right to bench him? First of all, Lucy. Um, I don't know because the thing is, Wilf's very he's a soft lad, really, isn't he? He's quite emotional, and I think that possibly not for him. It was good to put him on the bench with everything that's been going on in the press but I find that he works better when he comes on rather than starting so for the team perhaps it was good perhaps not so good for him emotionally which is you know it's weird head heart sort of scenario isn't it which which one do you go for so um yeah I'm sitting on the fence with that one (laughs) Fair play. Terence, do you think he benefited from going on the bench or would you have shucked him straight in? Um, this is 
one of the things that, despite the second half performance, um, Pardew's comments on this is another reason why I think long term he's not necessarily the right solution for us as manager because in his comments he said Wilf after the week and the disruption that happened needed to be benched for me he took it well I think he realized that it wasn't a punishment now the fact that he would punish players by taking them out of starting 11 uh, to put them on the bench is just archaic man management in my mind um I just really don't think that you should be punishing players because you know the agents turned their head or whatever, whatever the reason would be, you wouldn't put a player on the field and you'd put him on the bench, especially one as good as Zaha. Not punishment, never punishment. That is not the way you cope with people. Psychology has advanced so much and you know all of this. The sports psychology is there. You should be listening to these sort of people and not using that as a punishment. And that does worry me long term. Yeah, I agree. If if, if Zaha um, sticks around this window, which we can only... Um hold our breath and hope for. Do you think he'll start the next game, Nick? I think he will. Um, yeah, it was good for the, as Lucy said, it was good for the team. I'm not sure how it affected Will personally. I, I did see a photo that the fantastic um, high money to, uh, posted on Facebook earlier of Will coming away from the ground and he did look like he'd been crying and so there was all sorts of um, rubbish going up on the Facebook page about, oh yeah, he's definitely going, he's definitely going, but if we'll go back to the conjecture again, and Steve Parrish has adamantly said that he's not going to be sold this window. Why would he say that if we were to sell him? He'd just make himself look foolish. So, I don't know, maybe he was upset about being being benched, but he'd made such a difference, and I think that will show him how important he is to Palace, because he, he's one of the main cogs that gets, gets us going when he's on his game. So I think seeing him out of the team, not seeing what the team's like without him in it, probably did him good, bit of good. Fair enough. Uh, you, seeing as you mentioned the uh, transfer window, we're going to just take a moment to let you guys know that as on Wednesday, the transfer window shut and uh, we're going to do our usual live broadcast um, starting from 8pm on Wednesday, seeing you right through to when the window shuts at 11, probably even beyond that. Um, you never know, we might have a couple of special guests on, hopefully. Can't promise anything, but we'll be there. Um, yes, yeah, so tune in. That to be Wednesday live at eight o'clock. Um, and for those long term listeners, you'll know that there'll be, there'll be, uh, hope, hopefully, if there's no cowbells, it'll be rubbish. We'll have to reappropriate for something else. Um, yeah, there could be some, there could be some cowbells just to let us know if we've signed the new players. Uh, so that's Wednesday, eight o'clock. Um, I want to talk about Scott Dan because he could have had a hat-trick yesterday. Um, 93rd minute, I believe. 93rd minute? 92nd minute? Looks like the game's gone. Someone someone go through that Scott Dan goal for me because I was uh, I was flabbergasted and I've watched it several times since. It, it gets better and better. Terence, is that a world-class header? Um, I think the whole build-up to the goal was pretty solid. Um I think, again, it showed the strength of Ben Take and what he's going to be able to offer us. Um, the interlinked play between Townsend, Punchin and Ben Take was very intricate and deliberate and Punchin's cross, he's not even looking in the way he's... He's not even facing the way he's kicking a ball. Like Everything about the angle he created on the cross was brilliant. And as for the header, it just... It looks like he shouldn't have been able to create that much power on the header and to redirect a back across goal. And it always looks better as well when the goalkeeper just stands still and just watches it go in. It was an amazing <laughs> header. 
from a good 15 yards as well. You know, he's not... Fact, fact, almost at the edge of the penalty area. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not on phenomenal. the six-yard line, is he? It's, it's, a, it's a real treat. And this, I think the celebration said it all. And, and um, yeah, I think he's, it was a real captain's performance from him, certainly in the second half. He was he tried to create... He had one... I mean, as, as a team, I think we had about six cleared off the line, including the penalty. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was really nice to see. Um Nick, how do you feel about Scott Dan? Is he the right man to take us forward as a captain? Definitely. Um, and I, I can't believe he's not been included in the England squad. I, I think he's just quality. And his leadership, he's, he's, he's just building week on week. And he's, he's leading by example. Perhaps he, he should have got more than one goal. But it's not just Dan himself. It was, it, as Terence said, it was a build-up to the goal. And as you've said, we had loads of chances. But our play... That last half an hour was just sublime. It really was. And he saved our bacon and actually that goal, I think, saved part of his job. I really do. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's go on to that because that's something we wanted to talk about a bit more. Um, Scott has, has essentially, yeah, Scott Dan, if, if we lost yesterday, I mean, to be honest, bearing in mind we, you know, snatching a, a last-minute equaliser is the best way to draw a game. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed, but Pardew really trudged off the pitch. Um, you know, really should have maybe, maybe a bit more relieved, perhaps. But to me, he looked he looked he looked broken himself. Um, if he'd have lost that game yesterday, bearing in mind there's an international break now, do you think he'd still be here, Lucy? I'm gonna let you go first. Sorry, I was just reading uh, people's tweets. Um... I don't know about Pardew. I really don't. I think that this goal, this point has saved him. Um, I was going to um, ask Twitter what they thought, so I'll be interested to see what they think. But I think his days are numbered, to be honest. And if that point hadn't come through, I think we could be... I think he would have gone, personally. Terence, do you think Pardew would have been down the job centre this morning had Scott Dan not done what he did? Um, no, I think he would have probably held on. There's no point uh, bringing someone else in with only three days of transfer window left. Um, so I think you've got to give him the, the transfer window to get in complete the squad of players that he wants to try and get together. And then we've got a few very winnable games after the break. So hopefully getting back in, get get the squad he wants together, get some points on the board after the break and move on from there. Um, if it if we're still on one point, three games after the uh, end of the transfer window, um, that will be the end for him. Nick? We had so many chances. I do not know how we did not finish off. 4-1, 5-1 in that game. And the fact that we we had such a good second half, I I think he, he, he'd have stayed anyway if we had lost, um, simply because of the performance. Now it's just a case of him carrying it on and, and ultimately winning back the, the trust of the fans because it was evenly split, I thought, around the ground with the, the pro and anti um, Bargery stuff. Well, but we, we can't see... Till the end of the window, it's, it's such a tough, tough time to to be in this situation. Such a tough time, and we've got to look. He's brought in Benteke. We go. We might be getting Remy. Another couple of players. 
and they it could be building a really really good team if we look at our squad now to what it was when Pardew came in it's a lot stronger and okay it's only a half of football but we're seeing signs as Terence said shoots it's a, it's a lot stronger but wouldn't wouldn't you argue that things like team morale and sort of the togetherness in the team has has dipped massively and I know it, you know it's great it's great that we've signed Ben Teke for 30 million quid but you know, if, if my house is subsiding, putting a nice new front door on it, it's not going to solve the problem, is it? Do, do, you, do you think that, I, I personally think, you know, back in the last, well, second half of last season, I think we're one of the worst passing sides I've ever seen in the Premier League. You know, last season, Norwich, you know, that the, the infamous punch and winner, but Norwich outpassed us that day. And no matter who comes, no matter who comes through, I always think that we're, we're one of the worst passing se- that size I've ever seen. And you know we've got we've got decent players now, and the more money we throw at Pardew, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong; I love the fact that we've got a Christian Benteke, you know, playing up front for us. You know, it's a world class striker. But the more money you throw at him, doesn't that up the ante for him a lot more? And if it doesn't work, isn't that just going to bring it all to a boiling point? It does. But he did say that it was going to be a transitionary period, and we know that successful teams are normally teams that have been together quite a while when I say quite a while, at least a season, season and a half. And, and we are transitioning from from being that team that got us up with a few additions here and there. Our team's going to look, by the end of this season, by next season, we won't recognise... The team will look unrecognisable two seasons ago. And it's, if that's part of the plan, part of the project, I think we do need to see it through. You know, the board are obviously happy, otherwise they wouldn't be giving him the money to sign players. Why why get one person to sign players if somebody else is going to be using them and might not like them? Lucy. Yeah, a couple of people commenting on how long um Pardew's got. Warren A. G. J. B says four games. And Palace Kev sixty six said till the end of September to show improvement. Um, just had another one come through. Um, Simon Pizzi says until the end of December with Remy and Benteke, I see a Pardew special of 10 wins in a row coming along. Um, <laughs> I think the phrase um, we're in a transition period needs to stop being used because how long does the transition period last? You know, he's had what two seasons to try and get a squad together and I realise that we've not probably had the financial input but I still think that you know enough's enough for me if if we win 10 games in a row I will do any prep anything anything anyone tells me to do I'll do it uh (laughs) yeah whatever 10 games in a row yeah right (laughs) you heard it here first I want your Stephen Mundonda gloves if we win 10, 10 in a row. I only own That's fine. I'll take it. It's fine. Well, if you do anything, I want you to beat up your mate for the second one. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big lad, my mate. That's your problem. You've committed to it. It's fine. Anyway, Terence, do you think do you think that you know is is you know I hate to use the term throwing money at it, but is that is that going to turn? Pardew season. I can't think of a manager that's had such a terrible run of league form. Forget the cup run. That's all it was. It was a cup run. We didn't win the cup. I can't ever recall a manager on such a poor run of form ever turning it round because they normally they normally get fired, right? Malcolm Madison. Well, no, I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> um, 
Yes, I think you're right, but I don't. I'm, I'm kind of I'm at polar opposites at the moment with how I feel about Pardew, because on one hand, I'm kind of fed up with him as a person and his excuses and the way he handles our players, but on the other hand, I can see what he's trying to do football-wise, and he wants to bring in another ball-playing midfielder. He wants to take Delaney out of the team and put Tompkins in there so we've got people who can pass out from the back. And like I say, I think there were shoots in that yesterday. So the transition period is stopping us from being a counter-attacking team, which is effectively what you are in the main Leicester excluded from last year, is you're a bottom half of the table team, where if you want to actually impose yourself and be able to impose your style of football on people and push more towards European places, then in the main, you have to be able to keep the ball more and hurt people with better attacking players with the likes of adding Benteke and so on. So, yes, I think the, the back end of last season, we're going to have to give him a blight and say the FA Cup one distracted us and we did get to an FA Cup final and that is the only second time we've done that. And like I say, I think he's got three, four, maybe five more games to... You know, this is now your team, Alan Pardew. You cannot say this is not your team. So if you can't get results in your team within, you know, by the end of September, beginning of October, then you really have to look and say, is this the right person to carry us forward? We've backed you financially. We've let you build your own team and it's not working. But we need to give him that chance. I think if we want to make that step up from bottom half of the table to top half of the table and hopefully succeed where Charlton fouled those years ago when they tried to make that change. I definitely balls that out. They've got Ian Dowie in. Uh, Lucy, is there anything on, <laughs> <laughs> anything on Twitter? Yeah, a couple of tweets have come through. Uh, Tim Hollands has said, no point sacking him two days before a window. Not a fan of cards, but hopes he turns it around for the sake of the club. Um, Jamie Muller has said the transfer window there may be a month need to see a team clearly playing for Pardew which at times is questionable and then um, Andy Sparrow said second half saved Pardew real cause for optimism maybe this is how we should have played all along Fair enough I think my the way I'd leave it is you, know, you look at our next five fixtures five fixtures and you know one of them is a cup game granted but, you know, we're away at Borough, we're at home to Stoke, away at Southampton in the Cup, away at Sunderland and away at Everton. Now, really, you can look at it two ways. For me, it's, you either, you know, we, we need to see points there. There's, there's definitely, well, there should be points to be won there. And, you know, do we give Alan Pardew that opportunity to do that? Or do you think, well, if we don't, if we don't get anything from those, those games or minimal points, then that's, you know, that's five, well, four league fixtures that we've thrown away and, 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 you know, you can't, a new manager can come in at that point, but he's got to then, you know, worry about Man City at home and Man United and Chelsea at home the following month. Um, so I'm torn. Like I said, I, I want it to work because, I, you know, I do, I do struggle to see, to think, currently think of three teams that are more obvious for the drop than us. But um, I guess time will only tell. Um, now, we obviously, after every game, we ask for your uh, four-word reviews. Um, we've had a few in, some quite controversial, maybe. Um, we're going to hear those now. 
Mark Callahan, we don't do 4-4-2. Darren Humphreys, poor first half again. Phil Huffer, Scott Dan, goal machine. Greg Pearce, battered them second half. Lawrence Price, work to be done. Josh Bates has the point of his one, we have a point. Robert Nestor, game of two halves. Steve Woolbank, Pardew not good enough. Oh, I like you, Steve. Jacqueline, need another 39 points. Oh. Simon Pissy, Pissy, more games in championship. Marcus Summerhays, take the buy of pens. James Sorby, Europe, here we come. John Merriweather buys Pardew a month. Nice Stephen Even right. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Albert, do you want to carry on for a bit? Stephen Rodin. Feels like a win. James Morrow. Right players, wrong positions. And finally, Mummy White. Second half, every half. Anyway, thanks for your, <laughs> thanks for your forward reviews. I love that. <laughs> um, Nick, is there anything in the chat room poignant? Is there anything poignant we can end on? Pardew took Is there anything? Pardew took Charlton down. Um, we have preview pods out in the week, sometimes. Um, Not next week, we don't. No, and they're talking about um, give, what transitioning means. Uh, Brinsker Legal agreed with uh, Terence, really, that we're transitioning away from counter-attack to being proactive in attack. So, but um, thanks everybody in there for their contribution. It's been been busy and um, interesting tonight. Busy and interesting. That's what we like. Yeah, listen, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for your contact. Um, as previously mentioned, there's no. Uh, we're not going to do a one of Terence's preview pods this week, unfortunately, because it's an international break. Meaning you can have a well-earned break, Terence, because you must have. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, there's also there's no fan jewel this week, obviously our sponsor fan jewel, but uh, do be sure to check it out if you haven't already. Um, it's a great fantasy football league game. I am rubbish at it, but there's a few other people that seem to be doing all right out of it. I'm trying to try and gather some tips. Um, but what we are doing this week, we are as previously mentioned, we are doing our transfer window special. Uh, so tune in from eight o'clock on Wednesday. Um, we'll be there for like what was it shut eleven o'clock? So that's uh, three that's hours. We'll be there for three hours plus. Uh, so you are guaranteed bucket loads of quality. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? All, all, all filler, no killer. <laughs> exactly that. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully there might be. Uh, we might have some some breaking news. Uh, and if it, if we do, that's what you'll hear. So uh, listen, I want to say thank you for the people who have joined me tonight. That will be Nick Gillard. Thanks very much. That will also be Lucy White. Thanks, Albert. And that will also be Terence Ford. Scott Dan No way! I can't believe it. The guy is a wanker. Come on, I know he's been on five. He's been been five shows in a row. (laughs) But that's that's harsh, Terence. We all love you, and uh, we all love you listening at home. Thank you very much. Good night. 
Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Optus stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise every Premier League match day with FanDuel. And just for Homestale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly. <laughs> Wasn't that a great show? I mean, it was probably, probably the best one, wasn't it? It was all right. I it's thought all right. the first half was dire, but second half was fantastic. Life in the out. All right, steady on. Um, I've lost the thing where it says wanker at the end. I'd have played it then. Um, thanks for thanks for sticking with us. And um, as promised, as promised, we're gonna tr- we're gonna do a quiz. Uh, we're gonna try and do a quiz. I'm. Um, okay, so basically, what we're going to do is we've got Nick, Lucy, and Terence. Um, we're going to just we got a, uh, a little quiz based around the, uh, the Premier League area, seeing as we're in our fourth Premier League season, which is nuts. Um, we're going to test our panel's knowledge of uh, the Premier League. So you're going to get 30 seconds to give your answers. Uh, I will then look at the answers and see if you got them right. I think that's how a quiz works. Uh, we'll keep score. <laughs> Play along at home if you want. I can't. I can't mark your answers, but you know, be honest with yourselves and be honest with everyone, and see how you get along. Okay, so, Terence, you ready? I, I as I'll ever be. Good, Lucy, you ready? Born ready. Mm. Don't sound it. Nick, you're ready, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That wasn't the opening question, by the way. There was no... Oh, no I've got one right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure you got that one right. Uh, okay, so you've got 30 seconds. Question one. Honest. Um, which of the three... Which of this season's newly promoted clubs have spent the most seasons in the top flight in total? Which of the three newly promoted clubs has spent the most seasons in the top flight? And I'll give you a clue. It's... It goes beyond the Premier League. I can't even remember if got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't how. Time's up. Okay, so the question was, what was the question? Which of the three newly promoted clubs has spent the most seasons in the top flight? Uh, let's go with Lucy. I've gone for Hull. Terence. I've gone for Burnley. Nicholas. I'd have said Burnley if I'd remembered them, but I couldn't remember them, so I said Hull. Well, you and Lucy should hang your heads in shame. 
absolute shame. The correct answer is Burnley, so that's a point to Terence. Uh, can, can we do football quizzes when Terence isn't on? <laughs> I actually Which put my never... answer in the general window, so you all could have seen my answer. I'd already yeah. put mine. Oh, okay. For those of you interested in numbers, Burnley has spent 54 seasons in the top flight, Middlesbrough 51, Hull 5. Five. Mm. So, uh, Burnley were very good It's 1 0 Terence. It's 1 0 Terence. Okay, question two. And this is a bit more Palace related, so Nick, Lucy, you should be onto a winner here. I doubt uh, it. Yeah, me too. Terence is going to smash it. Right, question two. Which five players have worn Crystal Palace's number five shirt in the Premier League era? Which five players have worn Crystal Palace's number five shirt in the Premier League era? get a point each. Point for everyone you get right. That means there's a total of five points up for grabs. Okay, so the question was, which five players have worn Crystal Palace's number five shirt in their Premier League era? Did you play along at home? Are you still listening? We're going to go through the answers right now. Uh, let's go with Nick. Um, that's my answer. <laughs> okay, Lucy. Um, I couldn't think, but I've got two. Go on. I don't even know if it's right. James Tompkins. Correct. And McCarthy. Correct. Thanks. Who did he ever wear it? You know, I'm. I'm not one to to question our own quiz. Did he actually ever wear it? In, does, does off the field count? Does it, you know, on the well, bench? He played at Spurs, mate. He played in the Spurs game. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> and what a blinder, um, Terence. <laughs> um, first early doors, Eric Young. Um, that one disastrous season, when, which started with all the promise under Lombardo, uh, David Tull. Uh, Two thousand four five must have been Mark Hudson. And then McCarthy and Tompkins as Luke. Right, Terence has smashed it, and controversially, I'm going to give him a bonus point because he uh, he named them in chronological order. Am I allowed to do that? Of course I am. I'm in charge. So that's T- Terence has stormed into the lead here. Nick, you're still on a big fat zero. Sorry, bruv. Lucy, you're you're sort of bringing up the rear. Anyone going to? That's what she said. She oh, said. <laughs> With a two, Terence, wait, I mean, Terence has got seven. Terence has got seven. I'm not even sure it's mathematically possible for anybody else to win. So, let's end it now then. Question, <laughs> question three is just for fun, guys. Clearly. So, question oh, three. Best word. <laughs> question three. Leicester City won the league title for the first time in their history, if you didn't know. Who were the last first-time winners of the top flight? I'll read that again. Leicester City, he knows. Leicester City won the league title for the first time in their history. Who were the the last first-time winners of the top flight? Again, this goes beyond Premier League. 
Right. Nick, have you got a better answer than um this time? I reckon it was Brian Clough and Peter Taylor when they took Forrest to the title back in the 70s. Okay, Lucy? Um, I'm going to go with Blackburn. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. I don't mean to laugh at you. Yeah, you do. Um, I think um, I think Nick might be right, but that wasn't my answer. I went for Aston Villa. Okay, I just have to I just have to interrupt there. I just had a word in my ear from the producer. I didn't know this. This question was worth actually worth eight points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you've done there. <laughs> I, listen, I haven't done it. Listen, I'm a, um, I can the, the correct answer. Shot collar is is Nottingham Forest. So in the greatest comeback ever committed to amateur radio, <laughs> boy, this is amateur. He's only gone and won it. It's Nick Gussett. <laughs> actually, I've, I've actually I've felt. I'm flabbergasted. I got a question right that Terry Terence didn't. I'm actually going to let him have the quiz because I spelt Nottingham, Nottingham. So I've um, got the answer wrong technically. So he can have the quiz, but I beat him in a question. And that's all I'm worried about. Is this yeah, like, on, like on Sky where they make another player give another player the man of the match and it's all a bit awkward? No, not at all. No? Terence, you feel awkward? I don't, no, it's a bit like in the Olympics when um, in the 5,000 metres they disqualified everyone and then the bloke was like, I don't want the medal, I didn't win it. So um, I think Nick's done the right thing. And basically, my my answer is laughable as well, really, because Villa have won the league at least six or seven times. <laughs> so I laughed at Lucy. I should laugh at myself. <laughs> and that's a poignant thought to end this <laughs> this, this latest episode of Homesdale Radio slash extra content. Sometimes you just got to laugh at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't been able to do that till we put a full-length mirror in the hallway, and it's hours of fun. Uh, as if it, as if that, it didn't scrape the barrel any worse, <laughs> we've left you with a really awful image of Nick in a full-length mirror. For God's sake, go and do something else. Tune in next week. Everything will be okay. We're not here next week. That's why it's going to be much better. Good night, everyone. <laughs> it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.